This is the first time that I feel like there's been such collaboration between leagues, clubs, owners, players on the same topic, right? Like that doesn't always happen. But at the end of the day, like it, it was something that we all, um, how are we able to play a season, keep everybody safe? And we were all aligned on that goal. Welcome to the next episode of What's Next with Eric Wood. Our next guest is an incredibly strong woman who has battled the odds to find success in America. With the 2020 NFL season ready to begin this week, there is no more perfect time to welcome on the owner of the Buffalo Bills, and that's Kim Pagula. Kim is the president and CEO of Pagula Sports and Entertainment, a holding company that manages the Bills as well as the Buffalo Sabres. Along with her husband, Terry Pagula, they purchased the Bills in 2014 with a bid of $1.4 billion. She is now one of only three NFL owners who were not born in the United States. Today on the show, Kim and I get into several different topics, including her rise to success as a businesswoman, the different roles she plays throughout the Bills organization, how COVID is impacting the 2020 season, and much more. I'm pumped for Kim to be on the podcast. Today you will hear firsthand why the Bills are known for their culture in the NFL, the treatment of players and advancement of facilities since Bagula's bought the organization has been nothing short of spectacular and I was a firsthand witness to that. The future of the Bills organization is bright and a large part of it is thanks to Kim Pagula. We recently received a podcast review from Marshawn Brooks Fan Club. He says, great insight on life and football and a wide range of personalities as guests. Feels much more like a conversation than an interview each time. I truly appreciate that review. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really does go a long way in helping us produce great content for you. Now, enjoy the show. Brain MD is Dr. Amen's supplement line, who is a former podcast guest of mine. Dr. Amen is regarded as one of the top, if not the top brain experts in the entire world, and I've been taking his supplements for a little over a year now and have never felt better. I wish I had these while I was playing. I recommend the Eric Wood Bundle to all current and former contact sport athletes at any level, as well as anyone out there looking to support their brain and increase brain function. The supplements I take daily are Brain and Body Power Max, Neuro C, Vitamin D3, and Brain Curcumins. For more info on each of these supplements, check out my post on Instagram and I explain them all. My handle is ewood70. Go to brainmd.com and use code ericwood, one word, to get 5% off your order. Hey, Kim. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the time. Hi, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to see you. I wish I was seeing you up in person right now up in Buffalo, but uh, we're making the most of these times. I, I know. It has been extremely difficult, but um, Zoom and other, you know, Microsoft Teams, like they've all been really, really uh a good way to keep connected. So um, I, I don't know why we didn't think of this sooner, but um, but here we are. Um, but glad to see you. Glad to see you're doing well and the family's doing well. Yeah, I appreciate that. Let's start off um, with your journey to sports owner. Um, it's, a, it's an incredibly fascinating journey. I knew nothing about it prior to when you guys bought ownership of the Bills, but essentially you were dropped off on a street corner in South Korea, adopted by a family in Canada, and then you work all the way up to owning two professional sports franchises and a number of other things we'll get to as well. But what 
or who do you credit with impacting your journey to so much success? Oh, um, let's see, probably, you know, it's obviously it's my parents, right? So like, I literally would not be here without uh, the both of them. And I have told many people that I've met that are adoptees, like, you know, how lucky they are, because I consider myself so lucky um, to be chosen, right? And that's, that's why I, I think adoptees are so special, because somebody went out purposely and chose them to be a part of their family. And so um, I would not be here without my parents, for sure. And my, you know, my parents had, um, they had two boys before I came along. They did not need to adopt me. They did not um, have any reasons um, why, except that they just felt like they had more to give. And, um, and I got chosen to be that person. So I'm so, so, um, so lucky uh, to be here and the foundation that they laid uh, for me and, and my life. Um, it's, you know, it's really been a key part of, of where I am today. And then the other one, you know, I hate, sound hate to sound it's obvious but probably my husband right <laughs> uh because you know listen is same with him um we've been married 27 years uh and when i married him i was 23 years old now i've got kids that are older than 23 <laughs> and i cannot imagine them being married right now right so um so i was young and terry and i were there's an 18 year old uh age difference between the two uh the two of us and honestly, like since the day one, like Terry had no, did not care. Like he let me um, get right into the middle of things. Like he actually, you know, put me in situations, let me learn, let me fail. Um, you know, like, hey, you know, I remember us buying our first house here in Buffalo, right? I'd never bought a house before. I'm like 23 years old, right? 24, we had moved, we had gotten married and we moved up to Buffalo and I didn't know anything about that, but he's like, you know, here, you, you handle it. I'm like, okay, what do I do? But he was, he's always been like that, just allowed me to get involved in every aspect, whether that was within the company that he had, the oil and gas company beforehand, or things related to our family and our other businesses. Um, and just, you know, really allowed me to grow and constantly learn. And I'm just so grateful for that because back then I didn't know where I would be now, but all those things back then, really has led me to so much learning and understanding that um, has helped me, you know, in the last years that we've owned the, both teams. Yeah, that, that's an incredible story. I, I love you talking about your parents and, and, and being accepted and being wanted and how special that is. That's truly a special deal. And, and from my experience around you and Terry, it seems like you guys balance each other out perfectly. <laughs> and you guys both have strong skill sets that have allowed you guys to be able to do so many different things and impact so many lives in, in different industries uh, based upon you guys balancing each other out. Yeah. Now I've never had, I've never worked for anybody else. So, um, you know, once we got married, um, we've always been a tag team. So I don't know what it's like to not work with my husband. And I've had conversation with friends that, um, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, if I had to work with my husband 24 seven, or, you know, like, I'm so glad I can get out of the house and, and uh, you know, they have their own job and their own careers, which is great. I, I don't know any differently besides working for my husband, um, working for him, working with him. Um, so it, it's, you know, and I've always really enjoyed it. Um, he, he yells at me sometimes because I haven't, you know, he's like, I need a secretary. And I'm like, no, you don't, because all your secretary is going to do is like, call me. So like, we need to, we can just cut out the middleman. Right. So, because we've, we've always worked that way. And, um, and 
it's worked. <laughs> Based upon you not working with someone else probably allows you to deal with maybe the chaos that comes with having so many roles. I mean, you're the president and CEO of Pula Sports Entertainment, and that includes the Bills, the Sabres, a country music label, and I have to throw this out there, my daughter's favorite artist is Kelsey Ballerini. Oh, yeah. Uh, Black River Entertainment, yeah. um, and, and so much else. Well, don't forget, don't forget the two lacrosse teams. Two so lacrosse teams. I, yeah, I don't want to forget them. Absolutely. And, and, and a number of other things, real estate and, and just all types of stuff. How are you able to handle all of those roles? I'm not. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I'm, I'm not. And, um, and something always has to give. And that's the hardest part. Um, I'm going to say over the course of the last two years have been an amazing learning experience for me. Um, but it's, you know, I've, I've been able to really dive in, taking on those additional roles that you talked about, but being able to dive in to really truly understand the business. You know, they don't give you a handbook when you, when you become an owner, right? And in some ways, you almost, you almost get protected so that everybody else, um, as an owner, tries to protect you from all the, all the work, right? Because they think, well, you're the owner, you should be enjoying being owners. But... Mm -hmm. But I've, I've learned, especially in the last two years of getting to really understand the business, like that, how important that is. If you're going to own something, you got to take ownership of it, right? And if you don't know what you own, then it's, you know, it's hard to do that. And that's been my journey the last two years. But it's, but it's you know, there's sacrifices with that. Like I said, I have not been able to give everybody the attention that they really need and, and or deserve. Um, so there's been sacrifices, whether it's my husband, my kids, um, employees, organizations, um, players, like it just, I've not been able to, to do all of that in the way that I, I want to do it. Um, but I, I think we're like, I'm, I'm getting there though, right? Like I, I wouldn't take back the two years, even though they've been, um, they've been tough and it's been a lot of learning. Um, I, I'm in such a better place for it. Uh, so I think now we've hired some additional people. Um, I think I have a better understanding of where we want to go as an organization and what values or how the, how this, you know, it's a family business, I call it. So how the legacy, how we want it to be set up for the future. Uh, so it's been a great learning. Um, and now I'm in a position more now than ever to actually allow others to do, uh, to take it from here and have confidence that um, our vision and the way we want things to, to be are going to be done um, the way we want. So um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. You know, it really isn't. No, I guarantee it. And um, I love how you talk about you're still learning. And because you guys have been so incredibly successful. And uh, one of the stories I love is that after the sale of the oil company, then you guys started an LLC called Second Half LLC. And it was, okay, well, we're not just going to rest on our laurels. We can't just sit around. That's neither of you guys are wired that way. So what are we going to do in the second half? It reminds me a little bit in a, in a different way. <laughs> yeah. When my career just abruptly ended, well, now I got to figure out what's my second uh, half LLC going to entail. And I'm doing a lot of broadcast work. And, and first off, I'll say thank you for my opportunity with the Bills. It's been refreshing for me and my family to have a role back with the team and to be around Buffalo and uh, to be able to pour in the community. So I'm thankful for that. I'm also thankful. Yeah, I don't know that I would call it your second half. It's more like your three quarters because like you're so much younger than we were when we started our half. So you're, you're way, you're above half. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, so maybe, maybe I'll have two different shifts uh, whenever the broadcast deal comes to an end and they tell me I'm too old to call games one day. Maybe I'll have a, a, like a third, another, a third, and a third, maybe. <laughs> yeah, another one after that. I, I'm fascinated by highly successful people in their morning routines or daily routines. Do you have stuff that you start your day with that sets you up for success? Oh my goodness. Um, no, <laughs> no, I try. Okay. I'm going to say I am the best at trying things right now. My hard thing is like keeping at it like for more than two weeks. Um, so I, I do not have a morning routine. Unfortunately, I do have a game day routine. So I think that is the only thing that I really have as a routine uh, throughout the week. So um, the game day routine. So my, my game day routine is, is so I've got one for home and one for away. And I mean, Eric, you know, you guys all have your own superstitions and your own routine as well. Um, and I don't know if that's just where I, I picked it up from, but on game day, I usually start off with baking cookies in the morning. Okay. So um, it just, it relieves some of my stress. Smell of cookies just makes me feel good, you know? So when I'm like kind of amped up and it's a bit, especially if it's, I mean, all the games are big, but if, you know, if it, if it's a close, you know, game that, you know, or opponent, then, you know, just the smell of fresh cookies. And then I usually bring them in for the staff when I come into the, into the office. Um, so then I always wear what the team is wearing. So I always, you know, I can't throw a football. You can't run. I'm not on the field. So I always feel like if I'm dressed similar to the team, that I get to be a part of it. So like, if you're all wearing, you know, blue jerseys and white pants, and I'm wearing a blue blouse and a white bottoms, right? So whenever I, you know, Jeff Mazurk will sit there and text me what we're going to wear on game day. And so I plan my, my uh, day accordingly. Um, then I, then I get to our office, uh, you know, Terry's there before me, like he leaves, he gets there like at, you know, 6am um, and changes and does all that stuff over there. Um, I come in and I usually go through like the whole, we have a script of what's happening on game day down, sometimes down to the minute, like one, Who's the anthem singer? What sponsors are here? Who's sponsoring the game? Giveaways, every single activation. Of it. So I usually go through all of that just to kind of know what's happening um, today's game. And then I'll, I go down on the field. The kids are always with us. Um, then we usually, uh, you know, I go down the field. I talk to specific sponsors, you know, and this is all going to change, right? Like, I don't know what my routine is going to be in this uh, pandemic, but um, we'll talk to sponsors. You know, sometimes there's things that, you know, I'm required to do on the field if it's a special uh, promotion or if a special thing we're awarding, you know, I participate in that. And then I watch the game with uh, usually my, my parents. They're, they usually never miss a game. Uh, my kids, you know, some special guests and friends and family. And my daughter was actually just joking with me today. She was like, mom, you don't even watch the game. I go, yes, I do. Because what happens in my suite, I usually have a lot of people in there. So <laughs> we're in the suite that has, you know, the glass raises up and I end up watching it on the couch in my suite on the TV <laughs> because I can see it better. Like, you know, the close up angles. So she's like, mom, you don't even watch the game. I'm like, I do watch the game. I'm just, I get to, and then like, if I want to see it, I go to the window, right? But then, and there's always a slight um, re, uh, delay from the right. TV to the, to live. And so sometimes like I can, I can anticipate what's going to happen by the crowd noise. And so then like, I can either like prepare myself, <laughs> that makes sense, for what's about to happen because I, I hear the crowd, you know, get really loud. So I'm like, okay, good. Like there's something good's going to happen. Um, 
and then then after that like we usually wait till all the traffic dies down and we go and hang out in the offices and uh you know talk about the game um you know brandon and joe shane and you know we see coach and things like that so that's normally my my routine i love that game today routine i will never not be able to pay attention to the outfit matching the uniforms <laughs> now that you now that you know yeah I'm, now that i know i'll never be able to not see that again yeah um, like, i yeah i i see the games the home games at least right next to Terry and the yeah. rest of yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Terry and I do not watch the game together. Yeah, so their booth is right next to ours. Yeah. And, and from a buddy of mine who got to come to your guys' suite last year, Chad Michael Murray, he was saying oh, yeah. our yep. broadcast was actually on in your suite. Yep. Um, <laughs> you get to watch the game, That's hear right. us talk about it, yep. uh, which, which is pretty cool. And you mentioned your kids, and I think it's really incredible that you, you and Terry have a professional tennis player that's a daughter and you guys treated the players from day one when you guys came in with a certain level of respect a certain level of personal relationship with us that you know the, the old ownership didn't live in Buffalo they were based out of Detroit Ralph was older there's a lot that went into that but we weren't used to that what what impact does having a professional athlete daughter and being the parent of one have on you guys as owners of two pro sports franchises now yeah, you know, um, it, it's been, you know, I think it's a, just a better awareness and understanding what athletes go to. And it doesn't matter the sport. I think there's just so many similarities across all the sports. Um, you know, our daughter, Jessie, she started playing tennis when she was seven years old. Um, you know, she's 26 now. Um, for the amount of work and effort she's put in, and she's been, I mean, she's been injured. Like everything, you know, we've we've had surgeries, we've had rehabs, um, the mental part of our game, the travel, the scheduling. Um, so, you know, we, we understand, like I said, I think we just understand having gone through that with her, what it takes to be an athlete at, at their best and to make it into the professional world. And so I think there's just a, a healthy respect automatically just by being on the team that, that we have for every player. Um, now, you know, everyone's different, uh, but I tell you what, tennis is a hard, hard sport. I mean, she, um, from uh, the pandemic, she left, um, let's see, she left her home in middle of July to play a tournament, the first tournament back since all the shutdown in Charleston, South Carolina. So she went from Charleston, she went, then she went to West Virginia, she played world team tennis, then she went to Kentucky, and then she's now in New York um, in the US Open bubble. She's been gone since the middle of July in a hotel room. And it's just, it's such a tough sport. And then after the US Open, I think she's got to go to, uh, to the French. Um, so she's got to fly to Europe. So it's, it's nonstop. But you guys at least have an off season. There's not much of an off season in, in tennis. But, um, but I think it's, I think that's important because I do think that, you know, fans, they see the athletes, they put them on these, uh, these pedestals and they see them as larger than life, but they don't know if you don't have a uh, an, or know an athlete or, have, or a parent of one, the uh, tremendous amount of, you know, you know, uh, stress on your body, the hard work, the effort, the time, the money, the resources, um, the mental capacity, like just to get to, right? Just to get to that point. Um, and then, like you said, you've been able to have um, a long career, even then to sustain it as a career. Um, it's not easy. It really isn't. 
No, it's not. And, and what you and Terry have done, uh, when you guys came in, I remember me, Fred Jackson, and Kyle Williams met with the team president at the time. And uh, he basically said, hey, the Pagoulas are willing to do anything to make this organization um, cater to the players. What do you guys need from a nutrition standpoint, locker room, whatever it may be? And me, Kyle, and Freddie made a list of things. And within a couple of years, everything was knocked out. And it's a testament to you guys and listening to us and, and feeling our needs and, and understanding what we need. And then not only that, you guys went above and beyond with the resources, uh, with the new training uh, center up there and all the renovations. It's absolutely phenomenal. I, I'm going to tell you a secret. I, I was, so not to brag, but so Joe Collins, you know, who works in our, our sports performance. So I, he, I am a huge proponent of all these um, new age biohacking. Like I said, I try everything, right? I try everything at least, uh, at least once. Um, and so like, I'd be constantly texting Joe be like, Hey, what about like cryotherapy or, Hey, I heard about like these red lights. I have a, I'm getting an infrared sauna or this piece of equipment. And, and Joe would always be laughing at me. He's like, okay, I'll look into it. Um, but I'm, I'm a big fan of all those different um, things. It's just, it's, we are so far ahead now than we used to be. Um, and some of that, it does come from my daughter, like all the different, you know, I mean, I'm like, I got excited cause I got, I, I got like a blood restriction thing. I don't know if you've ever done that before. And I was like, Jesse, do you ever have one of these? She's like, yeah, mom, I, I use that. So it's just, I'm, I'm such a, a fan of new technology. I'm such a geek about it. And then it's, especially if it has anything to do with, um, you know, your body and I'm not, I don't even, you know, work out like you guys. I don't even need it. I just, I just like it. Um, so when the sports uh, performance center, uh, you know, was proposed, and I was so excited when we saw all the different, you know, the red light therapy beds and the cryo, and and I'm, you know, constantly sending them new things like, hey, look at this. So, you know, it's a good thing we have doctors though, because they're like, well, the science behind it hasn't been quite proven yet. So we may not want to go down that path yet. So I said, okay, okay. But, uh, um, but all, all those things are so incredibly important. And, it, and listen, I think one of the, I don't know who told us this, but one of the things that's always been in the back of my, uh, my head and, and Terry's as well is that, you know, when, you know, players are going to do whatever they can to be the best at the, that they can be, right? Because that's their job. That's that's what they get paid for. That's kind of even just the competitor in you. Like you're going to, and so if they don't feel like they're getting it, they're going to go elsewhere, right? So whether it's a different trainer, whether it's a different, um, you're nodding your head. So, um, uh, so yeah, 100%. so we're like, listen, if we, if the more that we can, and I don't want to use the word control is not the right word, but the more that we can build that trust between the players and our staff and facility that we are up to date with what's happening. And it is the best thing that you guys can have to get better. Um, I, that, you know, I think that's just a win-win for, for the organization versus not doing those types of things. And then having the guys, especially in the off season, go off to different places with different trainers who may not understand or know the history or, who knows what, right? So um, it, it really was, you know, in the bigger picture, it's it's about the player, but it's also about, you know, the whole team as a whole. So, and we've been fortunate. We've been, ha we've been having some really good, I know we're up there in the least amount of injuries in the last few years. So um, it, it's working. Yeah, it, it, in my opinion, it's, it's creating opportunities for the players 
to get back on the field faster. Um, and and I, I talked about this with Kyle Williams on the podcast when he was on. You know, we went from eating like chicken fingers and macaroni and cheese and green beans for lunch to now you have a organic produce aisle down the middle, smoothie bar, juice bars. My last year of my career, I would literally walk in and they would hand me my meals for the day that were built off of food sensitivity studies. It was perfect. Yeah. And yeah. It, takes the, it takes the thinking out. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but when you show the players you care, ultimately, this, I'll, I'll relate it to referees. Like, referees make calls and split-second decisions, and if you're nice to them, it's, it's, they're humans. Yeah. Professional athletes are the same way. Like, yes, they're wired to perform and come to work every day and grind, but if you show that you're willing to do anything you can to help them out, maybe they put in a little bit extra, and maybe that gets them that 1% that all these professional athletes are essentially fighting for. Well, and, and you know what else, too, is that, you know, listen – we, we always hear about the challenges Buffalo has of getting players, free agents, and things like that. And, and whether or not you're a player that's been, you know, was just here for preseason or has been with us for years, like we, we know how, you know, you and Kyle were very fortunate to be in, in, on the same team, but that's, that's unusual these days. Guys come in and out all the time. And we just never wanted anyone to leave, leave the organization feeling like they weren't, you know, they weren't wanted. And, um, and I know you guys all talk too, right? So I know you guys are all friends. So I think it also was making sure that the reputation of the organization in the city um, was always out in front as well. And so that that message then gets sent out, you know, across the country when, when guys come and go and, um, and have different experiences throughout their career. So I, I think that was also important to us too, to represent the organization well. Absolutely. And, and the culture of Buffalo is changing. The reputation of the Buffalo Bills is changing around the league. Part of that comes with wins. But now you're not seeing the Bills have to go overspend for free agents to even get guys to come into the building. Now you get guys that want to come to the Buffalo Bills. Guys want to come here because the facilities are beautiful. You're treated well. The team is great. The coaches are great. The front office is great. The ownership is great. And, and all of that impacts the Buffalo Bills is an organization, and when you, you know, uh, Sean McDermott would even tell you, it's it's a lot less about scheme than it is about the players. And when you can attract players here because of all those things, then it's money well spent. And we'll switch gears a little bit. So this time we're in right now with COVID has created many obstacles for business owners out there. And the sports industry is, and Pagula Sports and Entertainment is not off the hook in this. The Sabres season gets cut short. Um, the Bills season, now we're not going to have fans for the first two games. Um, the music industry is being crushed. Um, uh, you make it, me feel so much better, Eric. <laughs> is, it, is it? Well, I, my question was going to be, is it as chaotic on the inside as it is looking from the outside in? Yeah, I mean, it. I, I listen, um, it's, it's challenging for sure. I mean, it's, I can't even believe that we're um, in September, like, Back in March seems like forever ago, but in March, I did not think we would even get here. Like, I, I thought we would be, um, you know, first of all, I thought the pandemic was going to be over like in a month, you know, and then, and then as it dragged on, I, I didn't think that we would be seeing a season. So um, certainly there's so many challenges uh, for us and for everybody across the whole country. But, you know, one thing Terry's always taught me was that there's always something good and something bad or, you know, or you know, when God open, when God shuts the door, he opens a window. So I've always been very positive, a positive person. I'm always the, 
the glass is half full type of uh, person. So um, despite the challenges and despite the, the hard work that everyone is really doing, trying to get all the right protocols in place to keep the players safe, to keep staff safe, to follow the guidelines. Um, but I, I think there's really some great opportunity and that's really what I'm looking at. Just like, listen, it, this is a good time to reset. Doesn't mean that you were doing it wrong before, but it, it allows you to step back and say, you know what, this all could be taken away from you in an instant. And you are gonna, in order to survive, how are we gonna change? How are we gonna adapt? That's how I'm really trying to look at it. Um, sure, I think the uncertainty is what really gets everybody. Um, not having clarity about, you know, even just right up to preseason. You know, what, what is it going to look like? What's the testing protocol? And it's nobody's fault. Hey, listen, it's the, the league. You know, they're feeling the same thing. The players, we're all feeling it. So there's, it's nobody's fault. It's just what the reality and the uncertainty is what really got everybody not knowing. And, you know, we had to do one plan. And as soon as we got that plan done, like all of a sudden, you know, we're told it was changing, right? And then now we, okay, we adapted to that plan. And, but it was like this for like, you know, week after week, day after day, uh, it seemed like. So um, it, it certainly has, but the one thing that I think, um, I think about is that as much as it's been a, a struggle for, for our organizations, for our staff, everybody in the country is feeling the same way. And sometimes that brings you together. It's just a common understanding of what the challenges that you're all facing. So you don't feel like you're the only one dealing with this. Um, so, but it's, um, it's certainly, you know, gonna be an interesting season to see how this all shakes out. But I think it's a great opportunity for our organization to understand, to learn, to grow, adapt and say, okay, how do, not only are we gonna survive, because I have no, I, I, I know for sure we're going to survive, but how do we really thrive? And how does this actually become a springboard for us to move forward? Maybe, maybe even quicker than we, than we had thought before, uh, before the pandemic. So sometimes um, less is more, you know? Absolutely. And I, I love your positivity. And I, I try to be very sensitive on this podcast because I know that people have lost loved ones to COVID and, you know, I, at times I'll complain about, you know, I had a bunch of broadcasts get canceled. I'm not going to be able to call Bills games this year. You know, that I wanted to really show off in Buffalo this year. And I, who knows what happens with college football. And all that being said, you know, I also got to spend a lot more time at home. And as I'm doing Bills pre and post game from home, I would be remiss if I didn't say, hey, maybe this is time that God wants me to spend extra time with my family. And I'm going to get back on the road one day. And unfortunately, I'm going to I'm, I'm not built to just sit at home and do nothing. So I'm going to get back on the road one day and be calling games and working a lot more. But maybe God has put me around my family here during this time for a reason. And, and I love yours and Terry's positivity and um, your, your thoughts around that. And, and all that being said, are you optimistic that this NFL season can go off without a hitch with all the measures they put in place? Um, I, I am optimistic. Now, listen, I mean, obviously there's no guarantees, but I, I do think that the protocols that we put in place, the testing, and, um, and the amount of positive tests that we've had so far to date in the whole preseason, um, I, I, gives me like a lot of hope that the whole season we can continue this. And I think the, one of the other things, and, and you can appreciate this, or you probably know more than I do, but is this is the first time that I feel like there's been such collaboration between leagues, clubs, owners, players. 
on the same topic, right? Like that doesn't always happen. No, and yes, there. Yes, I'm sure there was a lot of negotiation um, on what the right protocols and what's allowed and not allowed. But at the end of the day, like it, it was something that we all knew. The at the end of the day, it was how do we, um, how are we able to play a season, keep everybody safe, and we were all aligned on that goal. And so it, I, so that's, I mean, I thought that was cool that this was like one opportunity where all these different stakeholders are working together for the best of, of the sport. And, um, and so I, I do feel really optimistic that we can get the season going and we can get it through the rest of the year. And I'm also very optimistic that there are people like, listen, I still don't understand how words can go through the air in a text message and land on a phone like in an instant. I'm like, there, there's people that are much smarter that can figure out a vaccine or something, right? So I'm very optimistic that this is not, um, while we say that, you know, this might be the new norm, it's, I'm very optimistic that humans can figure out a way to fix this. Um, and because we're not wired to be wearing masks 24 seven to be, socially distanced, that we're just not wired that way. So um, I have confidence that we can finish the season and that we're, we're gonna find some resolution to keep people um, healthy, but be able to live the way we, we did before. Good deal, and, and to your point, I've been really impressed with the amount, um, with the, the few amounts of tests that have been come back positive, especially as the players came back. And for the people out there that are saying it's too dangerous for all these guys to be in the building and interacting and playing a sport together, you're also assuming that these guys would just be living in quarantine somewhere else. Like these guys are still going to be going to the grocery, interacting with people. If anything, they're doing less of that now. Right. And they're, they're only playing against each other if they've tested negative. It, it should be a very safe environment. I, I'll, I'll say this on here and I've said it before. I would have opted in on this season. I've talked to my wife about it. Like I would have played this season. I would have felt comfortable with the measures that are in place. And the bills, I feel like, are built for this time based upon the continuity we've had with the coaches, so many returning players, the success they had last season. Do you feel the same way? Um, no, I, I definitely do. I, I'm just bummed though that we had such a great um, road, <laughs> we had, you know, uh, we had such great road teams that we were playing. We had such great, you know, um, nighttime, primetime games. Like if this, if this was like the season to be full on with fans and on the road and at home um, or be on a national stage, like this was the season with the schedule that we have. So I'm like really bummed that this is the year we, we don't have fans. Um, but that being said, I do think that, you know, listen, we're all competitive as a club. Like, you know, I just talked about how we're all being very collaborative in, in the outcome, but you know, once games start, we're all, you know, we're all competing. Right. And I do think that there is an advantage that we have in having stability with our coaching staff, with our personnel, with our players. Um, you know, of course you're always going to have guys coming in and out, but the foundation that Sean has laid over the last three years, like that's something that can be built on, you know, and, and I, I, I feel, not too badly, but I do feel for for teams that have first time coaches this year, right? Um, that had to deal with all this, uh, with the pandemic and getting to know their team and, uh, and trying to get through all that amongst us. Um, but I, I feel confident we are in good shape. I know, you know, you know, Sean, I know how detailed and how meticulous he can be and, and a pandemic isn't gonna get in his way <laughs> of, of getting, uh, 
getting where we need to be as a team. Um, so I have every confidence that that, you know, despite whatever happens the rest of the season, um, we're, we're going to be able to make it through. So. Yeah, I agree completely. I was a part of a team coming out of the lockout that had a new head coach. I know how tough it okay, could be yeah, to yeah. try and learn an offense just through t training camp. And we had preseason games to kind of iron yep. some stuff out there. And to your point on the road games, no one's more bummed than uh, my wife Leslie is because <laughs> uh, the December game against the 49ers for Monday Night Football, we were going to do Napa with that. Um, oh, Nashville's yeah. a short drive. Vegas, her and a bunch of my buddies were heading out there for the game. <laughs> so, uh, those are all work trips for me. Uh, <laughs> so I was excited, but it yeah. For me, it just like it, it seemed like a lot of um, I was going to have a lot of FOMO while they're having a lot of fun, <laughs> but I, I still feel for them. I, I truly do. And you mentioned how meticulous Sean is and the direction of the organization under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean is just absolutely phenomenal. They're set up perfectly for long term success now with the salary cap situation, the way they've drafted the continuity. What originally stood out most about those two? Um, through the hiring process that gave you the confidence that this is what would come from it? Right. Um, you know, I, I think, well, uh, some of it was just, you know, um, I don't want to use the word mistakes because I, I don't, I don't think that they were mistakes, but just learnings, I guess, maybe from, from other coaches. Right. So, you know, every time it, something doesn't work out, um, you know, you, hopefully you learn something from that. And so I think with, with coach, I know for me, I went into it a little bit, um, looking for something else besides the X's and O's. Like, listen, at this point, you know, you know football, right? Like there isn't, I mean, you can tell us kind of, you know, you know, how you scheme or, you know, what kind of defense you like and, and how you think you can build a, you know, a team and things like that. And those conversations happen, you know, all the time. And, and you know, whoever it was, I would believe that about on the football knowledge that they all know this at this point of their career. Um, but it was all, it was the other stuff. It was, how do you relate to, to people, not just players, but to your staff? How organized are you? How do you manage your time? Um, how, you know, how do you command a room? You know, what, what's your long-term plan? What's your short-term plan? How do you, you know, um, What's your philosophy? What's your values? You know, not as it relates to on the field, but in, in the room, you know, with your staff. Like, it's just, it was a lot of, um, and I don't want to call them intangibles because they're actually tangible things that you can see and, and you can um, see Sean do but, um, and act on. But those are the type of things that I, you know, I saw in him during our interview that really just stood out and said, you know what, like his, um, desire to to constantly learn and get better. So one of the things at that time, uh, coaches were able to do like an interview, practice mock interview um, through the league. And so you could, as a team owner or GM, you could log on and you could like look through videos of potential um, head coaching. But, you know, I'm going to say, I think maybe two people that we interviewed did that. Um, Sean being one of them, the rest, you know, didn't even bother. So like, I knew like little things like that. Like I knew he wanted to be a head coach. He was and willing to do all the work to get himself better and better um, in, in that skill set. So it, it just, those little things uh, were really, really, um, I think to me just, just stood out that whether we're going to win or lose on the field, he can handle all the other stuff off the field. And, and I think those two really go hand in hand. I think that just gives him uh, 
you know, having the skill set just allows him to to focus on the game and allows him to set him up at least to, to have the chance of winning on the field. Um, with Brandon, you know, it, it was something similar too, but in a different way. One, you know, it's, you know, you talked about how my husband and I are like kind of opposites, but like it works, right? So as Sean is, you know, um, is, you know, so disciplined, right? Like, I mean, I think ice cream is the only thing that might get him off his game but like everything else or a bowl of cereal or something yeah it's like it's it's so he's so disciplined where brandon is is not that way so i don't mean it he's i don't mean that he's undisciplined in a bad way but he's a little bit more relaxed and and um he's a little bit more um so i like just you know he he's not wound as tight, right? Like he's mm-hmm. just very, and so I think they work together really well. So finding that yin and yang, like it's just, it's something um, that they feed off of each other. And so knowing that they had a respect for each other before, I actually thought it was a bad thing when we, when they uh, first brought up Brandon as a candidate, I'm like, cause we had already hired Sean. So I was like, oh, here we go. Like it's, you know, there's going to be too much of this buddy buddy system, like mm-hmm. where's the checks and balances. And I was concerned about that. Um, I, I didn't realize back then under, I think um, it was under different ownership. Like, you know, they, they just, their relationship was different. They weren't buddy buddy, right? It wasn't, it wasn't a tag team kind of thing, but there was a mutual respect for each other um, in the roles that they played. And I think that was, um, it was nice to see knowing that there was a respect between them, that they had different personalities that complemented each other. Um, and, you know, Brandon also, I know he wasn't just a scout, you know, he was assistant GM. He had been a, part, um, a GM for a short period of time, uh, interim GM at one point he had been kind of you know the cap guy he had done he did the budget so he had a lot of experience in all the other things um, as well that it takes to be a leader of, of, of a department like you know it's not just being the um, the guy like you can be the guy or the girl but you, you have responsibilities that come with that um, and so those are just things that really I, I thought when we interviewed them that really stood out that um, so far, you know, they, they've lived up to what they said. That was remarkable analysis. Uh, a number of things I didn't even consider. Like, I, I knew that they had a prior relationship, but I didn't even think of the concerns. And that's what ownership has to be concerned about, is if this is just going to be buddy-buddy. Like, hey, Brandon, go do your thing. Or vice versa. Like, hey, tell me who you want. Because you want there to be checks and balances within the organization. And then as an owner, you can't have them teaming up against you and saying, no, 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 we are going to do it this way. And uh, it's, it's remarkable when you hire people of that caliber and that character though, and as you get to know them, you, I'm sure those concerns went away, but um, I didn't even think about that. And um, it's funny, as you started that, you talked about, you know, you learn from mistakes and, and one of the Sean McDermott's big deals is always you either win or you learn. You don't really lose unless you don't learn from those mistakes, then you truly lost. So it's, it's kind of funny to make those parallels and how all of your kind of core values kind of align even through your conversations um, there and the Bills under under your guys' ownership hired the first full time woman coach and the women with full time positions within the team have improved tremendously in their numbers. How proud are you? How proud are you of the diversity within the organization at this time? Um, no, I, I'm I'm extremely I'm extremely proud because it wasn't um, I'm going to say 
it wasn't directly led by myself. And that's, I think, what I'm the most proud of. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, being in this role, like, you know, um, and knowing that, you know, females in football is, is important. But I certainly didn't go to coach. I didn't go to Brandon. I didn't go, to, whether it's in their trainers or equipment managers and say, hey, listen, I, I, want, I want these numbers up. I mean, that, I certainly did not do that. Um, but I think it was just they knew that this was where we need to go and that it was important. And they took it upon themselves to be open to having and looking at candidates. Um, and I think the league is also was a tremendous help in helping us find the right candidates. Because sometimes, you know, listen, you know, if you look through the eyes of, of Coach and, and Brandon, it's like, okay, like, sure, we'd love to have women as part of football. We think that would be great. But like, where are they? Like, how do I find them? You know, it's just, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's a very, um, sometimes can be a buddy-buddy system. And, you know, you, you build relationships throughout your career. And, you know, if they're all guys, then you don't know where else to go, right? And so the league was very helpful. And Samantha Rappaport, I don't know if you know her or not, but was very helpful in guiding um, guiding us through that and guiding Sean and Brandon and you know bringing up people that she felt like wanted to be a part of the Bills organization that were qualified, you know, um, and you know, and they both took a, a chance on. on women, I Rex, uh, Coach Rex Ryan was our first one with Catherine Smith on his team, and I will tell you when I remember when he brought it up. He's like, hey, you know, I'm really thinking about um, promoting Catherine Smith to quality control coach. Listen, she's basically been doing the job and, and, you know, went on and we're like, coach, that's your area. Like you, you know, you hire, you put your staff together. And I didn't think anything of it, you know, like, because listen, I mean, like I said, Terry and I, we, we work together and he includes me in everything, like, you know, so I never like knew that that was a thing. My experience has always been positive, but when that happened, like my phone like blew up. Like I had old friends and new friends, and everyone saying, "Oh my gosh, what? How great it was to see that!" And you know what you've done for women and sports and all this stuff. And I was like, I and it, it just hit me at that time that, wow, like this this is really meaningful. Like I I didn't appreciate it at that time. And since then, I think with Catherine, and then I think people saying, hey, listen, if, you, if you're a female, you wanna be in sports, like Buffalo is, doors are open. And I think we were able to attract great candidates, like we talked about having an organization that, um, that people wanna be at. And you, know, you see one female and guess what? Then you see another one and then they see each other. And then now if you talk to the guys, like it's the norm. It's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're there in, in the locker room. And, and um, it's, it's been really great to see that growth there. Um, but, you know, like I said, it, we always have room for improvement. So, but it, um, the, the women that have been part of our, our especially on our football side, our person, uh, personnel side, and I should say the one thing too, I really like about um, Brandon and Sean is that, you know, and this is how, how they think. I remember um, Phoebe was one of the, um, our coaching interns that we had and, he said, listen, I, coach said, I want to bring Phoebe back for another year because she, she was on the defense. And I think for her to really learn, she needs to experience the offense, right? And so I want to bring her back so that she can learn the offense. You know, you don't normally have coaching staff. Like, they're like, okay, I did the female thing. It's done. Okay, fine. I'll get another one next year. Like, like he actually put thought into developing her as a coach 
Um, so I, I thought that was, you know, very insightful. And, and those are the kind of like the traits that we talked about with what stood out with, with coach and Brandon, but that's also why people want to come to Buffalo. Um, if you want to be, if, if you're a female and want to be in sports, cause you know, you're going to get that respect and that, that learning from our staff. So. Yeah, that's that's a, that's absolutely incredible. And um, I was on the team when Catherine came in, and it was seamless. It wasn't like, hey, guys, now we have to act in a certain way because Catherine's around or anything along those lines, which is great because we had a culture that wasn't maybe what people make of an NFL team meeting room where you would then have to curb your language or whatever it may be. So it was, it was incredible that it was just seamless. Well, and I always think – I always thought, well – you know, like common sense, like everyone in that locker room has a brother, a sister, I'm sorry, not a brother, a sister, a daughter, a mother or a wife or a girlfriend or two. So like most of their lives are full of females. So why would it seem weird that there would be females like in the locker room? And actually, I think, you know, when you got a, a team of 53 guys from all different backgrounds with different things going on, you know, one size doesn't fit everybody. And so when you bring in, you know, some people relate better to females, you know, whether it's, you know, a trainer or whoever, um, other people, you know, they like the dude, I don't know, like, but it's having that mix of diversity in that locker room. Um, I think just, you know, just provides a, a normalcy to that locker room, because that's how we are, you know, in the real world. We, we have that mix. Absolutely. And as professional athletes, we just want coaches who will make us better, who will push us to do stuff that we wouldn't do otherwise. That's, that's any good trainer. That's a coach, whatever it is, you want to be pushed beyond what you thought you were capable of that, that can save you time, can teach you things. And the one thing I would think that players would say initially when they would hear that is, well, they didn't play the game. So how can they know? Well, you know how many good uh, broadcasters, coaches, front office people never played in the national football league most. So let's not, that would be the, the converse and that, that doesn't apply. So, so credit well, to the I mean, Listen, if you're, if you're talking to a trainer, you don't want that trainer be, to be a player. You want him to be been in school and learning about a much more, um, you know, medical and, you know, body things than they would have playing on a field. So sometimes you don't want them to have that experience. You want them to be focusing on what you need them for. So, You're absolutely totally right. Better. All right. We'll knock out some recurring questions that I love to do with the guests and, and compare them around. So we'll knock out these recurring oh, questions. Right. Uh, if you couldn't do what you do for a living now, what would you want to do? You, you know, I, I, I know this seems like a cop out, Eric, but I tell people all the time, I, I love what I do. It's so much fun being in sports. Like I, it, it just, you know, there's, there's only a few owners, like this is a, you know, just something I would have never even imagined that we would have an opportunity to do. And maybe I'm still new at it, but I just, I, I love it. I mean, the ups and downs, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything else I would want to do. <laughs> I appreciate that. What's your favorite book? Favorite book? Oh, my goodness. So, um, so I, I'm, like I said, I try anything. So I also, and that with my book, I read a lot of books. Um, and I don't necessarily have a favorite. So it's whatever flavor that I'm going through right now. Um, but the most recent one that I really, really enjoyed was the um, Atomic Habits, things like by James Clear, um, yeah. about building habits. Um, and it, it was, to me, it was like, it was a great book. It was under, like, it made sense. Um, now again, my struggle is 
how do you like actually do the you know do it to make it into a habit but uh such great learnings and such uh great things that i took out of that book. And so we're actually using, and it wasn't my recommendation. I actually read this during COVID when I was walking and listening to the audiobook. And, um, and then uh, we just recently, our HR department, we have a thing called the um, a book club. And so we, we pick books that we feel like would good for employees to help them develop in, in their roles, no matter where, you know, what job you have. And um, we have these book clubs and then they meet and talk about it. And that's the book that they chose. And I was so excited about it because uh, um, it's just, it's great book of knowledge and things that can help you in life. Excellent. Uh, what role does your faith play in your life? You know, so my parents, I, as you know, were um, from Canada and my uncle was um, an officer in the Salvation Army. And so, um, so faith has always been really important growing up um, to my family, um, to all three. I've got two older brothers and myself. Um, and so it's, it's been that, I, how do you call it, that, you know, that core foundation that kind of just keeps you very grounded. And, you know, some people might call it a conscience. I don't, I don't know. And I remember thinking that when I was younger, like, oh my gosh, my parents were so strict. Like, I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And, and, you know, a lot of it was based off of um, our religion and our faith that we couldn't do. But now as an adult, I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was, that was so good. I mean, it, those are real lessons that, you know, really has helped me along the, um, along the way. Um, and it's kept me grounded and, and kept me like on the straight and narrow. Um, I wish games are on Sundays. So I, I don't get to, the act of going to church and all those things like I'm not we are not as active as we used to be but certainly the faith that my parents um, have have put in me um, certainly is, is at the core kind of just keeps keeps me and um, our family grounded. I love that. Um, what's your favorite restaurant in Buffalo and do you have a favorite wing spot? Oh, um, I'm going to say, so I just moved out to East Aurora. So I'm going to say um, that Bar Bill is, is the, the wing spot. If you can get in, like the line is always like so, so hard to get into. Um, you know, it, it's sad because our restaurant business here in Buffalo with, with the pandemic has really been hit hard. Mm -hmm. um, we used to love to go to Tempo, but, you know, that's closed. Um, Hutch's is another one. We love to go to Sear, but Sear is closed. Like, um, it's been unfortunate that a lot of those places, the hospitality has really taken a big hit. So, um, but I love to cook too. So, I, you know, been doing a lot of it at home now. Yeah, I didn't know that about all those restaurants. That is absolutely yeah. sad to hear. Um, what's your favorite place to travel to? Travel to? Um, I would say um, I did... I did, we went to uh, the wine region in France. So in the uh, Bordeaux region, um, I think it was a little town called Saint-Emilion that um, we just, you know, it was so nice. It was just, uh, I did like it, but I love just new places. I wish I could do it more. I just, I love ex like going to a place I'd never been before. My, my daughter, um, when she started playing international tournaments, like that was my excuse to go travel. Cause Terry's like, Terry's a, a big time, um, like us like you know let's drive across the country he's like one of those he's not like a jet setting around the world all these places and so she would be my reason excuse to go travel and so like 
she had a, like, she's had played tournaments in Brazil. So I'm like, oh, I need to go with her, right? Because she's going to Brazil. Um, she's, I've been to Japan with her. Um, so um, been to Hong Kong, like, so it's, it's been, I've used her as my, been to, you know, France. I've been to, used her as my excuse to travel and go to new places that I know I might not be able to get Terry to go to, but like, you know, so, um, but I, I, I wish I could do it more, just travel and, and go to new places. Good deal. I was going to ask, what was your first job? Was it with Terry? No. So like, when you mean like officially, like post, post college, or you mean like, no, like your first, first job growing up, up. first job growing up. So it would have been um, the paper route. I don't know if you even know what a paper route is. Um, I do. It is. Um, <laughs> um, so it, it is. Uh, so I, it, it was thing used to be called the penny saver. So it was like where all these sales and coupons and I used to have to deliver them to pe people's door on my bike. But my first official job when I was 16 was um, McDonald's. I was a hostess, which they don't have anymore. So I was going to say. Yeah. So my job was to do the, the children's birthday parties and to be meet and greet people in, at McDonald's. But they, they got rid of that position a while ago. But, um, but yeah, that was my first job. You did it so well, no one could fill your shoes. Uh, <laughs> what was your first car? My first car was um, uh, was a a Geo. It was like electric blue, and it I don't even know if it was a Chevy. It was like this little little tiny small car. It was the like the new car that I could afford. So I don't even think they make them anymore. Was it a Geo Metro? No, it was just called a Geo. Like it, it was <laughs> small and got really good gas mileage. So um, yeah, that's, I just remember the name. Uh, last one, what's your favorite movie? Oh, um, I'm gonna say this one um, because it comes to mind is Karate Kid. <laughs> so, so, and the reason I say it because it comes to mind is one of my, my favorite movies, the, the first one. I've, I've seen all the Karate Kids, but like the first one was still, still the best um but they have a new one on on netflix where it's called cobra kai and it's where um they're they're older now right so daniel and you know johnny so um they're older now right they're adults with families and they kind of go back at it so it it takes the series from um from now to when they're older and then kind of like with flashbacks of what what happened back then and then to what how they became what they are and then kind of it's it's still the same themes, like, I mean, a little karate, you know, a little action, a lot, lot of life lessons, a lot of good, um, you know, Chinese proverbs, like, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a, a new deal on that. Yeah, there is. I know. I was so excited. And it's, and it's interesting to see them older, right? Because like you, you know, you, you see the movie and you, you think that, actors are always that when you see that like right they're that way forever right and then i'm like oh wow like they got older and then i'm like okay wait so did you so right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome kim i cannot thank you enough for your time today your analysis and answers were absolutely phenomenal i can't thank you enough i can't thank you enough for uh the extension you gave me as a player to allow me to play longer in buffalo and the opportunity to still be around uh, truly can't thank you enough. You are phenomenal on a podcast. <laughs> if you're in starting your own, I would recommend it because uh, extremely well-spoken, not surprising that you'd be comfortable in this environment considering you're used to having probably Zoom calls now, which we're recording this on, but 
lots of conversations over a wide variety of different subjects and fields, uh, you'd be phenomenal. Yeah, well, you know, we certainly miss you here in Buffalo. And, you know, um, sorry that, you know, you're not going to be calling the games, at least for the, you know, at the beginning of the season, but hope we can get back to seeing you as, as part of it. And I love the fact that you, you know, um, even though, you know, you're not, you're gone from the team that you still um, are a part of Buffalo still inside of you and you're willing to come back and do the amount of work that that you do for the city. So um, appreciate it too. I love talking to you probably the most we've talked, you know, ever. Right. Um, so that's what happens when you, you know, when you have different jobs, like you can have these types of conversations. So, but I really enjoyed it as well. So um, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. I'm happy to come back on anytime. Awesome. We'll do it. We'll do an end of season. So this, this is going to air right before the season. We'll do one to recap the season. Good luck this season. All right. um, really excited about the Bills this year. All right. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Okay. Bye. This episode has been brought to you by Jordan Yoakum at Tom James Company. Jordan is my clothing guy, and I get everything from him, from custom suits and dress clothes to casual wear. Let Jordan do the shopping for you to save you precious time that could be focused on your family, career, or hobbies. Jordan can work virtually with anyone in the world, and if he cannot personally get your measurements himself, he will have someone come get them for him. If you have put on the quarantine 15 like many have and your clothes aren't fitting properly anymore, he can also make adjustments to the clothing you already have. There's a certain confidence that comes with having clothes that fit perfect and let Jordan give you that confidence. You can contact him by email at jordan.yokum at tomjames.com or visit his website louisvillecustomclothing.com. Contact info will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening to What's Next with Eric Wood. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please rate it five stars and subscribe. That goes a long way for us with this podcast. Tune in in a couple weeks for another new episode.